0: Well, I believe that the American church is at a crossroads today concerning the conversation around faith, gender, and sexuality in danger of of losing our voice on all subjects if we don't learn how to engage this conversation, specifically the LGBT conversation with both grace and truth. It's why we're starting a sermon series today uh, by that title, around that subject, Grace and Truth. We're launching 26 small groups as well this week, focusing on that same conversation and subject. We, we are inviting everyone in our church around the table, if you will, or, or to enter a living room and have a conversation about this subject. By the way, if you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And, and for everyone who's with us, thank you so much uh, for being here, including anyone who's joining us on a video screen somewhere. If you didn't know that we were starting a sermon series around the LGBT conversation, surprise! Right? Um, we try to do our best over the last several weeks preparing our church uh, for the subject matter, why we would be talking about this and what we're, we're talking about, even shared publicly online, You know, trying to let people know what this was going to be about. We, we understand the significance and the sensitivity uh, of the subject we are addressing, even in this service alone. We all come in with, with different perspectives, opinions, beliefs, experiences, and questions on this highly volatile, very emotional, very personal, sometimes painful subject. At times, this series is going to get tense. We're gonna have to embrace the tension, okay? And embrace one another in the tension even when we don't agree, okay? To embrace one another. And for the record, we will not put up with any bullying condemning, ridiculing, or dehumanizing someone for what they believe or how they choose to live their lives. If that happens and you know about it, I wanna know about it so that can be dealt with. We want this to be a safe place. When it comes to the LGBT conversation, specifically in the church and among Christians, we have typically divided ourselves into two different camps. I'm going to use this little scale here to kind of illustrate this as we, as we go along. Please understand, even in these kind of opposing views, even in them, there are differing beliefs and, and opinions, ways they, they are expressed. There are good people on both sides of this discussion, and there are bad people on both sides of this discussion. So on one side of the conversation in the church is what's called the affirming side or side A, it's a real term. Side A is defined as affirming, okay? Side A includes both gay and straight people. This is important to note, that among Christians, side A typically does not affirm premarital sex, extramarital sex, or lust of any kind, gay or straight. What side A does affirm though, is same-sex, monogamous, committed, gay partnerships or gay marriage. By the way, this is no surprise. This is where the vast majority of the secular world resides as well, even being more free in their affirming of sexuality. Most side A people arrive at their opinion from a deep place of love and care and compassion for LGBT plus people. That, by the way, can be a very good and beautiful thing. Some of you are already starting to bristle, so let me bristle the other side, okay? I'm an equal opportunity offender in this series. (laughs) On the other side in the church is what's called side X, So if side A kind of leans more heavily on grace, side X leans more heavily on on truth. I'm, again, speaking in broad strokes here. Side X has a deep, deep love and respect for the authority of scripture. A, A high regard for the way of God as expressed in the word of God, which, by the way, can also be a good and beautiful thing. So while, while their attempt to hold on to scripture is appreciated, their approach to LGBT people or the LGBT conversation is not always helpful. Sometimes it's actually hurtful. While side A would say the only answer to this is to affirm gay marriage and romantic relationships, side X would say, no, the only answer in this discussion, the only answer for gay people is to have their attractions changed, to actually be straight. This has led over the years to many ex-gay therapy groups, programs, camps, and counseling sessions that have caused massive hurt, pain, and rejection among LGBT plus people. That's why side X, if you want to define it, it is defined by the term ex-gay. So side A, affirming, side X is is ex-gay. The problem is, if I only stand on and only offer grace, not only might I be in danger of abandoning the truth that we so desperately need as the foundation to our theology, but I also lose my voice and perhaps relationships from anyone on the other side. On the flip side, if I only stand on or offer truth, I might be in danger of being truthful without being loving. And by the way, last time I checked, the Bible talks a lot more about the way we love people than it does our sexuality. Okay, that'll preach right there, but I'm not gonna remain on it. (laughs) So not only could I hurt someone, but I could also then lose my voice and maybe relationships with anyone on the other side. I definitely lose my voice with anyone already in the world who already does not believe this. My, My voice is just gone. So what do we do? Well, for me, there's got to be a better way. And the better way that I see is this. It's called side B or what we're calling for now, the messy middle. I'll explain side B as we continue. Side B, these are real terms, side A, side X, side B in the church. Side B has some agreements with both sides, but some massive disagreements as well. Side B is where I believe God's calling me to live in this conversation. I believe it's where God's asking Element Church to live in the conversation as well. It's not, side B does not stand only on grace and does not stand only on truth. Side B tries to find an equal balance of both. Seeking to be like Jesus, who was full of both grace and truth. In fact, the Gospel of John, John the Apostle, perhaps the best friend of Jesus as he lived uh, on the earth, John describes Jesus this way in his Gospel, John 1, verse 14. The Word, that's Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. We need both, okay? Pastor Chris Hodges, great pastor from a, a huge church down in Alabama, uh, said this, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Truth and grace together are good medicine. So if Bon Jovi said your love is like bad medicine, great song, by the way. We want this series to be good medicine. Amen? Good medicine. Now, this subject is way too deep, complex, and personal just to solve it in a (laughs) four-week sermon series or a 10-week small group study that we're doing, which, by the way, we're diving deep in our small groups, so I would encourage you to be in one. It's not too late to sign up. Out at the table in the lobby, Next Steps Wall, or online, you can still sign up for a group this week. What the series and study will do is get us all started down the right path of figuring out what we believe and why we believe it, and also down the right path of just loving people, regardless of what they believe or how they choose to live their lives. On your seats are some invite cards for the series. I would encourage you to take one, not just to invite someone, but on the back, it tells you what we're going to talk about each week. And so if you kind of want a heads up of where we're going, which by the way, on the 24th, the last week of the series, we have two special guests that are joining us to help us out, Lori Krieg and Greg Coles. Lori Krieg, here's a picture of her. She leads Whole In My Heart Ministries, focusing on this whole conversation around faith, gender, and sexuality. She'll be preaching on the 24th, and she's going to do an amazing job. Greg Coles will also be here to help lead us in worship. He's a worship leader, author, and communicator. Both he and Lori travel the country helping churches, people, organizations kind of navigate this difficult subject, and I can't wait to have them here with us. They're going to do phenomenal. I'm so glad they'll both also be here on uh, Monday night, February 25th, for an open forum Q&A for our church from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We're going to meet right here in the auditorium. Childcare is provided for all the kiddos. On that night of that event, we'll be using a live question asking system where you can anonymously text in your questions and literally no one will know where it came from or who asked it. I'll be joining them on the panel to help answer questions and guide that conversation. So, you've heard what side a and side x believes are you ready to hear what side b believes or what we believe here at element you're going to have to wait <laughs> i'll get there i promise but you have to wait because i don't want to start with what we believe i want to start with how we respond and this is true for all areas of life by the way and for people on both sides of this discussion it's a big idea if you want to write it down it's on the screens if i believe the right things but respond the wrong way, then what I believe won't matter. I can be right with what I believe. But if my response to people is wrong, what I believe becomes moot. It no longer matters in the conversation. And for some of you, that's actually the reason why you've not put your faith in Jesus yet. Because you've experienced hurtful and hateful Christians. And you thought, if that's what following Jesus means, I want nothing to do with that. And if that's you, by the way, or for whatever reason you don't believe, I love it that you are here. And I hope by the end of this message, end of this series, maybe you'll see a different side of Christianity. Maybe you'll see a better way. Also, if you or someone you love has ever been hurt or ridiculed or shunned by Christians because of your or your loved one's sexuality or for whatever reason, I want to apologize to you and ask for your forgiveness. Because that's not what Jesus would do, and it's not what his church should do either. So if you've ever been rejected by God's church, any church, on behalf of God's church, I just wanna say I'm sorry. That shouldn't happen. And I pray it does not happen here. So if I believe the right things, but respond the wrong way, then what I believe, won't matter. So we've got to answer this big question today. How should I respond to all people? Not just gay people. This is a reality of just for people. How should I respond to all people? We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 verses one through 10 in the New Testament. Luke is the third book in the New Testament portion of the Bible. It's one of four eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus. If you did not bring a Bible with you, we always put our scriptures on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, we always give them away for free. So ask for a Bible out at the guest services table or Next Steps wall, we'll get you a Bible free of charge. In this chapter, we're gonna see an encounter that Jesus had with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. If you grew up going to Sunday school, you might know a song from this story that will now be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. You are very welcome for that, but maybe, maybe if you know the song and it's stuck in your head, that song will distract you from the tragedy happening later today when the Patriots win the Super Bowl again. I'm done, like I'm just, I'm just telling you now. They won, okay, God told me, just deal with it. I'm preparing myself for disappointment right now, okay? Important thing to note about tax collectors in the days of Jesus. Tax collectors were notorious for being liars, cheats, crooks, and traitors. They they were known for their raucous parties and their, their general lives of debauchery. Because of that, they were despised and rejected by the Jewish people, Tax collectors were considered the most unclean of all unclean people, the worst of sinners. Does that sound familiar? Okay, now please understand, in no way am I saying that gay people today are the same as tax collectors in the day of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying the way Jewish people viewed and treated tax collectors, I believe, is the best correlation we have in scripture to how many Christians and churches have viewed and treated LGBT people. The worst of the worst, the despised, the rejected, the shunned, the unclean, to be avoided. (laughs) But Jesus here shows us a better way. So Luke 19, starting in verse one, I'm gonna read all the way through it and we're gonna make some comments along the way. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. The reason is underlined, it's important. Jericho was one of the cities of the priests or cities of the temple servants, meaning the priests and servants lived in Jericho, but would journey the 18 miles to Jerusalem on the days they served in the temple. So Jericho was quite literally the home of the religious elite in Jesus's day. Verses two through four. There's a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. So literally, they saw him as the worst of the worst. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And we're about to see Jesus model a better way. This is a challenging passage, okay? Verse five. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. That was a scandalous statement to those who would have heard him. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus into his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much, or in other words, Zacchaeus repented of his sin. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Out of all the homes in Jericho, of the priests and temple servants and people of God that Jesus could have gone to, who did he choose? Who did he see? He saw Zacchaeus, a tax collector, despised by the people of God. And he didn't just go to his home. He said, I must be a guest in your home today. It was a necessity for Jesus to get to know Zacchaeus as a person. So if I believe the right thing but respond the wrong way, then what I believe just won't matter. So how should I respond to all people? The first thing we, we have here is this, number one, I need to change what I see. I need to change what I see. If we as followers of Jesus are going to live like Jesus did, full of grace and truth, then we have to start changing what we see, specifically when it comes to the LGBT conversation and with LGBT people. I want to introduce some some people to you today. They're they're not here physically, but these chairs represent them, and we'll use these chairs uh, throughout the series. This first chair, we're going to call this guy uh, Bob. I met Bob a few years ago. Uh, several years ago now, when I first met him, I had no idea that he had a same-sex attraction. When he finally shared that part of his life with me, he literally did so with much fear and trembling. Because for the majority of his life, even among family, among other Christians, at one point among, from his small group at a church, all he felt was rejection, hurt, and betrayal. When he was younger, when he already realized my attraction's different from everyone else, I'm attracted to men, No one else knew about it, but he and his sibling were hanging out with their dad one day, and the dad started making derogatory comments towards gay people. His sibling asked their dad, Dad, what would you do if one of us were gay? And his dad said this, you wouldn't be my kid, which drove him only further into darkness, despair, and shame. Today, Bob is in his 60s. He's single. He's he's made sexual mistakes along the way, Guilty as charged, by the way, (laughs) right? But he is passionately in love with Jesus, doing his best to follow Jesus with his life. Bob does not believe that God or the Bible affirms gay sex or gay marriage, therefore he's living in his 60s as as a single, celibate, gay Christian. In the last year, I've seen Bob grow by leaps and bounds. He is more happy and healthy and open than I've ever seen him in my life. It it is an honor to call Bob a friend, and I I hope there's other people out there like him as well. i call this guy Dave. I actually can't remember his name. I've never met him before. It'd be an honor to do so. But I, I saw Dave in all places on a reality TV show. On that TV show, a part of the competition was to create this project that signified something like a defining moment in your life or a significant time in your life. And Dave shared about how he grew up in a very conservative, loving home until he came out as gay to his parents, in which he was then shunned, rejected, and disowned by his family. His significant moment that his project was based on He talked about how later on in life, he has now found a gay man, fell in love with his life partner. And one day at, at Dave's place of work, a bouquet of roses was delivered to him. They were black roses with a note attached to the roses. The note simply read, for our dead son, signed by his parents. This represents Jamie. Jamie's not a specific person. That's why I chose a gender neutral name because Jamie represents many, many gay men and women who they experienced the opposite of people like like Dave and Bob. They they were in welcoming, loving, accepting environments, even when many of them came out to their parents who did not believe in or affirm gay marriage or gay romantic relationships. They were met with open, embracing arms. What I'm getting at here, here is this. Behind every person in life is a story. And how dare we ever engage this conversation or engage a gay person or any person without feeling the weight of their personal story? Like not all gay people are the same, just like not all people are the same. We have similarities, but but we have a uniqueness as well, that we are each a person made in the image of God himself. Jesus modeled that. He, He could have walked into Jericho and just went along with what everyone else saw when they saw Zacchaeus, a despised tax collector, but Jesus saw the person first. This is huge, by the way that Jesus did not always affirm what people chose to do, but Jesus always affirmed every person. That'll preach right there. And we do well to do the same as his followers, just to treat people with human dignity as being an image bearer of God. If I believe the right things but respond the wrong way, then what I believe won't matter. So, how should I respond to all people? Got to change what I see. Number two is this challenge what I show. Challenge what I show. I can't view someone as a person and then treat them, talk to them, interact with them, or talk about them as if they are less than a person. This, by the way, applies to people on both sides of this discussion. If we just started treating each other with human dignity, we get a long way in this conversation. Just respect one another. A couple of things in the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus that stood out to me. This first one was huge. Jesus, it says, he looked up in a tree and called him by name, Zacchaeus. Do you know what the name Zacchaeus actually means? Clean, clean. Or pure, Is that not amazing? When Jesus called him by name, not only was he treating him with, the, with dignity, because who knows how many different names he was called by other people over the years of being a despised tax collector. There were some people that wouldn't even use his name because his name did not match the way he was living. But Jesus said, I'll, I'm just treating you as a person, Zacchaeus. And not only was he just treating him with dignity, but he was also calling out to his potential. He, he was saying, I see, I see you for who you are called to be, not how you are currently living. Second of all, Jesus went into his house. He dined with him. He wanted to get to know him, to be in his presence, to simply enjoy his presence as a, a person, regardless of how he lived his life. He said, I just want to know you. The McLaren commentary on this passage gives us some very challenging remarks as this. There was not a ragged beggar in Jericho who would not have thought himself degraded by putting his foot across the threshold that Jesus now says he will cross. His example is to be our pattern. Self-righteousness gathers up its skirts in holy horror. Perfect righteousness goes cheerily and without fear amongst the outcasts. For where should the physician go go but to the sick? And where should Christ be found but in the house of the tax collector? Ooh. Listen, Jesus did not hang out with Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus was going to change. He did change. We saw that. But that's not why he hung out with him. Jesus hung out with Zacchaeus because he saw him as a person and wanted to show him a genuine love regardless of whether Zacchaeus ever changed or not. That's why people loved Jesus the most. Read the scripture. It's the people who were least like Jesus that liked Jesus the most. I would say the church has a long way to go to live up to that with what Jesus did. If I believe the right things but respond the wrong way, then what I believe won't matter. So how should I respond to all people? Change what I see, challenge what I show. And lastly, number three is this, choose what to stand on. We gotta stand on something, some kind of belief. So we gotta choose what, To stand on. This is the truth part of grace and truth. For a side B belief, it's where I believe the most tension lies. Because yes, Jesus led with a radical kind of love. So radical, by the way, he was accused of actually being the same kind of person he hung out with. That's how radical his love was. But while he led with a radical love, Jesus never wavered from standing on a relevant truth. He did that here with 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 Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus said, I'll I'll give half my possessions to the poor and I'll pay back people who I've cheated four times as much, what he was acknowledging was, the way I've been choosing to live is against the will of God. So not only will I make restitution for what I've done, but I am repenting of the way I have Lived. Notice when Jesus, when Zacchaeus said that, Jesus didn't stop him. He didn't say, No, 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 you don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to change to follow me. Just kind of stay who you are. Just do what you've been doing. It's okay. It's all good. He didn't say that. He said, Salvation has come to this house. Why? Because Zacchaeus repented of a sin. Grace and truth. He modeled that in his whole ministry. He did that with the woman at the well. He did that with a woman caught in adultery. He did that with the lame man who was at the pool of Bethesda. Like all through his ministry, he led with radical love, always seeing people first, showing them a genuine love, but never wavering from standing on a relevant truth. And that's what I believe God's church and all Christians are now called to show to all people. So, Here's what I'm choosing to stand on, okay? Now we're gonna get into, okay, more than the messy middle, what does side B actually believe? Side B is defined by being accepting but non-affirming. These are real terms, side A, side X, side B. Accepting but non-affirming, meaning side B starts with this desire to lead the way with a radical love for all people, that all people were created in the image of God himself and should be treated with the same dignity, respect, and love as anyone else, that someone's sexual orientation does not diminish their humanity or their ability to know God and be known by him, and they should be loved and welcomed into God's church. That's where side B begins. Our disagreement with side A comes with our interpretation of scripture. Side B does believe that scripture holds a very high sexual ethic for all people, by the way. Not just gay people, but straight people too. Because let me tell you, The church is quick to point out all the gay sin and we just let the straight sin kinda go. This sexual ethic is for straight people maybe even more than the gay person because we are not living up to it. So the belief Side B stands on can feel incredibly hurtful, even received as hateful from an LGBT person, which I understand how it can be received or felt that way, and it breaks my heart to know that what I believe can potentially harm or hurt someone as they receive it. But as hurtful as it could be received, this is the side B belief on sexuality. It's in one statement. Here's what we are standing on. It's called the Historic Christian Sexual Ethic. You might have heard terms like traditional view of marriage, biblical view of marriage. I choose not to use those terms. I don't have time to get into why. If you want to know why, ask me in the lobby. I'll tell you why. Historical Christian sexual ethic. And here's what that means. Marriage is intended for two sexually different people, man and woman. Any sex or sexual activity is intended for and blessed only in that union. That's what side A believes about sexuality. Side B believes about sexuality. The side B belief does not affirm same-sex sex, sex, same-sex sexual activity, or same-sex marriage. But it does affirm the gay person themselves and seeks to show a massive amount of grace and acceptance towards all people, including gay people. And this is where side B begins to be at odds with side X and why this is called the messy middle. Because we're kind of stuck with people angry from both sides, okay? We differ with side X in our application of scripture. Side B does not believe that the primary answer for a gay person is to be straight. Okay, side B believes the primary answer for a gay person is the primary answer for every person. The primary answer is Jesus. That is the answer for all people. Jesus and his way as expressed in his word enabled only by the power of the Holy Spirit himself to live it out. The answer for a gay person is not to be straight. The answer for all people is Jesus, okay? You'll notice, like if you find somewhere else in the Bible that says this, let me know. God never said, be straight as I am straight. Never said, be married as I am married. He said, be holy as I am holy. That's what all people are called to, both gay and Straight. So side B does not affirm same sex marriage. It also does not insist that a gay person become straight. Are there stories and testimonies of gay people who, by God's power, He actually changed their attraction? Yes, there are amazing stories out there like that, but, but they are the exception, not the rule. Okay. There are many straight and many many gay people who believe in and are pursuing the historical Christian sexual ethic. And it's the one we are currently holding to at Element Church. That doesn't mean that if you don't fully agree with us on on our kind of belief about sexuality that you won't be accepted here, right? Come on, that would go against everything I just preached in this message, right? By the way, the guests that we have coming at the end of the series to help us out, Lori Krieg is a same-sex attracted person. She's attracted to women, but she met with, met, fell in love with, and married a straight man. It's called a mixed orientation marriage. They have two kids. When she's here to preach for us, she'll have her third at five months along. She believes in, is pursuing, and teaches the historical Christian sexual ethic. Greg Coles Also, he wrote a book, we have it in our store. It's called Single Gay Christian. It is an unbelievable book, highly recommend it. He's gay, but he believes in, is pursuing, and teaches the historical Christian sexual ethic. Because of that, as a young 20-something young man, he's never had any relationship with anyone in his life, never had any romantic involvement with another man. Because he believes in that ethic, he has committed to live his life as a single, celibate, gay Christian, pursuing Jesus. One of the things I hope to eradicate from our thinking in this series is that gay equals action. Gay does not always equal action, gay is first an attraction that attraction can lead me to choose to act on it just like my straightness is an attraction. And I can choose to take that attraction and do all sorts of sinful things with it. So I'm responsible to pursue Jesus, not my attraction, right? So there you have it. Three sides of this conversation. The side A, broad strokes, standing only on grace. Side X, broad stroke, standing only on truth. And side B, the messy middle, truly seeking to find that perfect balance, like Jesus did, being full of both grace and and truth. The remaining weeks of the series and the small group study, we're going to help flesh that out. I did not talk about why we believe this, we're gonna get into that as we continue on in this series. If you have any questions, concerns, please don't just leave them hanging or go talk bad to somebody else. Like literally, seek us out as a staff. We wanna help all people kinda walk through this conversation and please make it a point to be here for every week of the series if you can. If you miss even one week, you're gonna fall behind and I have to catch back up. So you can always catch up online, but please, please, please be here. We have some amazing resources out at the store. Like everything in the store, we endorse as the staff of Element Church. We've either, one of us has read it and endorsed it according to what we believe about sexuality. I love the last thing Jesus said to Zacchaeus in our story. It defines his whole life and ministry, really defines the whole mission now of God's church. He said, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Don't forget, church, we are all Zacchaeus in the story. It's not these holy church people and those dreadful sinners. It's we're dreadful sinners and we need Jesus. We're all Zacchaeus. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, it just means that Jesus crossed the threshold of your house and you put your faith in him. Jesus crossed the threshold from perfect heaven to sinful earth. He he came as one of us. He modeled life for us. He died because of our sins. He rose from the dead so that any one of us could put our faith in this gracious Jesus be given his Holy Spirit, a new life today, power now to live according to his truth, as hard as the truth might be. And one day, because of faith in him, I'll get to hang out with Jesus in his home forever. Is that not amazing? Listen, if you've never made that decision to put your faith in Christ, today's the day. Like he's at the door, he wants to cross that threshold into your heart No matter what you've done or what you have believed, Jesus says, I want to be in your heart. So if you wanna put your faith in Jesus today, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer just silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, thank you for loving me. Jesus, I believe you are my savior. You died in my place, you rose from the dead, so I confess all my sins to you. Everything I've ever done, I give it to you. Please wash me clean, make me new. Come into my heart. I'm turning from my old life of sin. Now by your spirit, I will pursue your truth in in the power of your spirit. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you do something very bold, but it's a safe place to do it. Would you just lift up your hand and say, yep, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart to be Savior. Anybody say that by lifting your hand, just leave it up. I wanna see if it's you. Anybody? All right. All right. I'm going to trust that means every single one of us. Amen. Right there. Not too late. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Anybody else want to acknowledge that? Anybody else? All right. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, whether you raise your hand or not, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest, hardest one you will ever live out. So we want to help you live it out. There's a free resource for you at guest services called 21. Ask for one. It's a devotional. We wrote for you. It will get you taking your steps as you now follow Jesus in your life. I love you guys. Let me pray for you real quick. And then got our normal two closing remarks, so if you'd stay still. Lord, thank you so much for being a great and awesome God. Thanks for loving me even when I was a despised tax collector. Lord, help us now change what we see challenge what we show, and Lord, let us choose what to stand on according to your truth. We love you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are new, please stop by the living room on your way out. If you need prayer for something, we've got a team all the way in the back. They'll pray for whatever you need. I've got to wrap this up. I love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed, and go Rams.